All right, first round of the NFL Draft is in the books. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, your daily source for NFL news and notes. We're going to be recapping. I'm Will Brinson, by the way. I'm your host. We're going to be recapping every single round of the NFL Draft. Joining me for this round and then for the final round on Sunday, round Saturday for your Sunday show, Ryan Wilson and John Breach, friends of mine from CBS Sports. Hello, Ryan. Hello, John. Good uh End of draft day one celebration. Wow. What an enthusiastic way to get things started. That wasn't very enthusiastic at all. I'll bring <laughs> the enthusiasm since Wilson clearly is not functioning that we're, you know, we're having this conversation late at night. I know it's going out Friday morning, but it is a little past his bedtime. So let's not, you know, he's a little grouchy right now. We're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, that's just how it works. Yeah, Wilson gets grouchy. Uh, So look, again, daily podcast. If we got some new subscribers, I think we do. That's great. You can rate and review on iTunes. If you tell your friends, um, if you're just listening for the first time, you want to subscribe, subscribe through Stitcher, iTunes, uh, TuneIn, Google Play, however you want to do it. It will be in your podcast feed every single morning to get you through your commute and or whatever else you got to deal with in the morning, dog, kids, running, whatever else it is. All right, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's get this show on the road. The draft happened, and the first round happened. Ryan Wilson, who's your – we're going to break these down. We're going to picks 1 through 10, 11 through 20, 21 through 32. Ryan, who's your big winner from the first 10 picks? Your boy, my boy, Breach's boy, UCLA's own Josh Rosen. I like it. How Cardinals come? traded up to number 10, grabbed him. He slipped to 10. And, and I think sort of the, the one of the takeaways is that he may have fallen to 10 because not because of the football playing abilities, because by all accounts, he is probably the most talented quarterback and most NFL ready to start quarterback, but because of the off field stuff. And I don't mean anything you know terrible. He wasn't <laughs> sending racist tweets, for example, but because he <laughs> may not have been as devoted to football as some coaches and scouts would have liked, which is sort of a weird Weird way to judge a guy who, by all accounts, played really, really well at UCLA, and you know he had regular awards that a lot of players have coming out. But the fact that he lasted till ten is, uh, you know, good for the Cardinals, who who now have Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen, and and bad for the rest of the league, and I think especially bad for the Seahawks, who are now in my mind the uh, definitely the worst team in that division. Wow, and I think with the Rosen thing, what's interesting here to me, two things: one, uh, GM Steve Keim. Sort of, he got a fight, he got an extension, so he's, he's not in any danger in terms of his job security. But he, you know, the heat's been on to get a quarterback, especially after Carson Palmer retired. People knew he would be, you know, knew he was older going, you know, might retire after, after the season coming into the season. They got jumped for Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes last year. And then I think it's a big win for Kime to go from 15 to 10 in a trade with John Gruden and the Raiders. And all they gave up was number 79 and number 152 in exchange for those two picks. No future first rounders, no second rounder in this draft, um, no future second rounders. That's a nice move to go get your franchise quarterback and Josh Rosen, perhaps the most pro ready guy of these all, of all these quarterbacks, which is also big because Sam Bradford, I don't know if you guys know this, doesn't always make it through a season healthy. John, who's your big winner? Well, first right there, you hear about teams mortgaging their future for the quarterback. It's like the Cardinals bought the house, got a great interest rate. You know, they didn't give up a lot of picks like you guys were just saying. And I don't want to step on anyone's toes with my winner. So I'm going to give you two quick winners. One is Andrew Luck. I mean, 
if I'm him watching the draft, I am just crossing my fingers and praying to whatever I believe in that they take an offensive lineman so that I have some sort of protection if I somehow am healthy enough to play this year. And boom, I think the Colts made the right move right there at the sixth pick with Quentin Nelson. And then I also loved what the Broncos did. They didn't reach for a quarterback. They didn't like anyone on the board. Chubb, Bradley Chubb fell in their lap. You put him with Von Miller, and you know what? That's how they won the Super Bowl in 2015. Peyton Manning, Brock Osweiler were, were below average quarterbacks that year. So if they even get average quarterback play and anything resembling that kind of defensive play, uh, and that defense is looking strong if you throw Chubb in there. So I love what the Broncos did. That's nice of you to do two winners instead of one because I had to pick a winner, and my winner obviously was going to be the Denver friggin' Broncos, John. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, I agree, though. Look, I don't. I don't want to knock Denzel Ward, Ohio State cornerback. I'll tell you what, I'll kick off the losers. I'll mention my winner and my loser the, because they, they go hand in hand. I think the winner in the top 10 picks for me is the Broncos. And for John Elway, John Elway had a trade in place with the Buffalo Bills. That I think, I believe he later said, or at least it was reported where the Bills were going to trade up and get uh, Josh Allen, the quarterback who they would trade up later and get anyway. But when Bradley Chubb fell to them at five, they called the dogs off and said, listen, sorry, Buffalo, you can't get him. We didn't think Bradley Chubb would be here. And Chubb was only there because the the Cleveland Browns, and I like what Cleveland did going Baker Mayfield at one. I, I like Baker Mayfield a lot. Um, they went with Denzel Ward, who's the top cornerback on the board. And in my mind, giving up the opportunity to take the best player in the draft, Bradley Chubb, the best pass rusher in the draft in a draft that doesn't have a ton of pass rushers in eschewing that opportunity to go with a cornerback was not the smart play. I didn't like it. So that sort of blends my winner and loser together. I will say this and we'll talk more about guys um, that we that we'll look at you know in round two in a minute, but they could get Harold Landry at the top of the draft in you know, top of the second round. That would mitigate the damage a little bit and they would come away with a nice pick. But I don't like passing on Bradley Chubb for Denzel Ward. I do love the Broncos getting Chubb, pairing with Shane Ray and Von Miller as you pointed out. This defense for for Denver is going to be very good next year and that AFC West is looking a little scary Ryan Wilson Ryan. yes it is I was talking to myself I had it on mute for a second there sorry you're fine who's your big loser from the first 10 picks big loser and uh his day st- he had a pretty crappy start to his day and uh ended on a high note but I think things could probably get worse that this might be the highlight of his, his NFL career Josh Allen <laughs> Wyoming's very own completed 55 percent of his passes at Wyoming was one and eight against really good teams uh, well there, and by all accounts, he's either the next Jake Locker or the next Kyle Bowler. Uh, the Bills traded up to get him at, at number seven, I believe, and uh, a lot of people, including uh, RJ uh, um, White, our editor, was hoping, who happens to be Bill fan, Bill's fan, was actually hoping for Rosen. I thought Rosen made sense there. I suppose one argument is that Allen has a strong arm and he can play in the in the cold, crappy weather that we have here in western New York. But, uh, you know, if you're throwing the ball hard or, or, or not as hard, if you're throwing incompletions, it doesn't really matter if you're throwing it 100 miles an hour or, you know, 25 miles an hour. So I think Rosen made more sense. But Sean McDermott, uh, the head coach, who you may have heard went to William & Mary, <laughs> um, thought that he that, – that Allen gave them the best chance to win. Uh, I wonder if he's even going to be better than, than A.J. McCarron, the guy they signed this, this offseason. So I think the Bills are the losers with that pick they took in the top 10 based on what they had to give up and, and what Allen probably will likely be. But, um, you know, they needed a quarterback. That's the guy they took. We'll see if it works out. But uh, as we sit here hours after the, the draft, uh, the first round anyway, I, I'm not really that impressed. 
I like the Bills draft as a whole, but I, I tend to agree with you. And like, look, Pete Prisco is a Josh Allen honk. He gave it an A plus. Yeah, do we know why? Because he likes Moxie and he thinks he's an alpha male and a, and a Moxie. And he, because Pete, Pete strives to be, uh, I like finding out if Pete listens to this podcast. He doesn't, spoiler, but, um, Pete, Pete fancies himself a bit of an Uncle Rico from, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. You know, Pete, Pete's like, oh, you know, in high school, I threw the ball over a mountain the size of a, it's like, Pete, you went to Fort Lauderdale in high school and you're, and you're four two, man. You didn't do any of that. And stuff. ironically, Pete hates short quarterbacks. Yeah, he does, right? You think, yeah, he was an offensive lineman. He claims to be the second best offensive guard from his school, even though, uh, behind Steve Hutchinson. But I would point out that Josh Allen, the big knock on him is that his, you know, his accuracy stinks. And people say that, well, look at his supporting cast of Wyoming. He's playing with a bunch of, like, Jabrones. It's like, well, Buffalo doesn't have a good supporting cast. I mean, they have Charles Clay, Kelvin Benjamin, and Zay Jones. That's not an A-list supporting cast who's just going to reel in every catch you throw their way, John. So I, I tend, I tend to agree with you. I, I kind of liked what Buffalo did as a whole from the day, but in that top ten, I, 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 I tend to agree with you, Ryan. Yeah, you know what? And not to pile on Buffalo here, but let's pile, just make pile. it three for three. Let's, let's, yeah, pile, Stephen, pile right here. I'm going to go with the Bills also. Uh, when I saw that they were trading, you know, you see the big announcement, the Buccaneers are trading back, and I kept saying in my head, and I think we were all saying it in our Slack chat room, it can't be Josh Allen. They're not trading up for Josh Allen. That would just be the worst move they could possibly make. Josh Rosen's still available. You knew it was going to be a Josh, and, uh, you know, they throw Josh Allen out there, and it was just like them giving up for the next five seasons. You you know, the Bills don't have a great track record with first-round quarterbacks going back to uh, J.P. Lossman in 2004, E.J. Manuel, and then this pick on top of that, and it's just I would be crushed if I were a Bills fan tonight. I would yeah. have some gin and tonics, whatever they drink in Buffalo, beer. I don't know, but that's what I would be doing they, right now. They definitely drink harder stuff than beer or gin and tonics. I mean, they're drinking like – they're like swizzling. Have you been to like, Bill's tailgate? Yeah, they're sw- it's like it's like they, they, they chase gasoline with fireball. Like, like they need, so, they need something lighter. By the way, they gave up a ton of picks for these moves, right? They gave up, um, 65 to move up and, and with that, with that trade with the Ravens to go up and get, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, who I really like as a linebacker, only 19 years old, but they gave up two second round picks to move up and get Josh Allen. So they parlayed all those picks into two guys and you have to question that a little bit, right? Definitely. Yeah. And that's, that's where we're going with mortgaging your future. That's, uh, Feels like kind of what the Bills did here. How about a uh, loser in the eleven to twenty range, or a winner in the eleven to twenty range, Ryan? And by the way, we try we try and do this podcast in a format that involves um, five minutes for for each segment, six segments, five minutes each. We'll see how well that holds in over the course of a night of a draft. But we're sort of adhering to that, thanks to the guy who left a three star review and doesn't like my dog or my child, and uh, and is sick and tired of us not adhering to the format. At any rate, Ryan, your winner from. 11 to 20. I love that comment, by the way. So try to stick to the, to nice. the, what you lay out as the format because it's, it is pretty highly annoying. Uh, my winner pick 11 through 20. I went with the Packers. They traded up and down the draft board and they got Jair Alexander, the cornerback out of Louisville. And here's what I love. Last year they took, um, two defensive backs with their second round picks, Kevin King and Josh Jones. They had a haha Clinton Dix, their first round pick from a few years ago playing safety. And now he will be, they will all be joined by Jair Alexander. Huge upgrade for a secondary that was pretty terrible, a huge defense, uh, a defense that, that was hugely terrible uh, in recent years. And I think that's a, exactly what they needed to focus on. They did it. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. He's 
angry about something because he's always angry, so he'll have that chip on his shoulder. And now he'll have a defense to rely on, and I love the pick. Uh, Jared Alexander was considered one of the top two or three cornerbacks, so that he he lasted a little while midway through the first round is is a huge get for the Packers, and, and I think it makes perfect sense for them, and, and I think he'll fit perfectly into that secondary. Breach, who's uh, Genevieve Bad? Who's your big winner in the eleven twenty range? My big winner is the Los Angeles Chargers, Jeez. formerly of San Diego. That's still again. That's still another one of yours. Yeah, it's fine. I got another <laughs> one. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's fine. This is Brinson and I think alike. So this is kind of uh, it's a little tidbit for all of you guys out there. We're basically the same person. We're CBS bots. Uh, Ryan, too. But CBS bots. I, I love. Ru- I love Russian bots. <laughs> But it's not just that they took Derwin James. You look at that whole secondary now, and it's like, how is any team going to throw on them? You know, they are—they already have Casey Hayward, Jason Barrett, and, and, you know, you look at the rest of that division. You have Case Keatum. It's his first year in that division. We don't know if he's going to be any good. Uh, you have Patrick Mahomes going into his first year as a starter. You have John Gruden installing a new offense. I don't know how any of those teams are going to throw on this Chargers secondary. So I just love the Derwin James pick. Uh, and, and right now I think that one pick of a safety is going to put me over the top with maybe picking the Chargers to win the division this year. Mm, I know. It's kind of stinks. Everybody's going to be riding my, my Chargers. I tend to agree though. Actually, I, I wholeheartedly agree. By the way, uh, for those that care about such things, I am also, I'm continuing to drink hazy little thing IPA from Sierra Nevada. Ryan, I believe is drinking a fat tire. Yeah. Straight from, uh, Colorado and John Breach is drinking coffee at 1230 in the morning. I w- I'm out of Smirnoff ice. Oh. Uh, <laughs> icing is making a comeback, isn't it? Am I oh, wrong yeah. about that? It was never out, Brenton. It was never out. Did, did it not? Like I saw, I saw like Bro Bible or somebody posted on Twitter like a guy got iced at the, in the Gatorade aisle. I mean, like what? But, like somebody, some guy told me the other day that he got iced by his buddy on vacation. Like what? What are we doing? Icing was a thing ten years ago. It's ridiculous. I was gonna ice both of you at my wedding, but it got vetoed by the bride. So you're lucky. Is that is that true? Uh, maybe I don't. I don't maybe. <laughs> Uh, the, I just hit the red with that laugh. Sorry. Uh, the winner, I'll give a winner to the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I think at 19, landing Leighton Vander Esch, who by the way sounds like somebody who would ice another human being, um, or at least play <laughs> lacrosse is, as Pete Prisco point, this is a steal. He will be a big time star, parentheses, or capital star. What are you doing, Pete? And their defense gives him an A for that. I, uh, the best tweet of the night goes to PFT Commodore who said that, um, a first round pick is a whole lot just to harvest ligaments for Sean Lee. <laughs> I'm still laughing about it. But, uh, Leighton Vaderas, very, very interesting player out of Boise, can do a lot of stuff. They need linebacker help. They need linebacker depth. And when Sean Lee gets, eventually gets hurt, the Cowboys defense falls off a cliff. So I'd like the move to get, uh, Leighton Vaderas. Who's your loser, Ryan? Uh, you know, I don't feel great about this, but we had to pick one in the 11 to 12 range, 11 to 20 range. And I went with uh, Marcus Davenport, not because Marcus Davenport's uh, abilities or what we think will be his abilities, but because the Saints traded a 2019 first round pick to move up from 27 to get him. Uh, yes, they needed pass rush help. And yes, we sort of had hints that they liked Davenport and it might make a move for him, but that's such a lot to give up, especially when your quarterback's 39 years old and if you traded up to get, say, Lamar Jackson, that would have been a little more popular and made a lot more sense, I think. Here's the only caveat to, to moving up for Marcus Davenport. If you're thinking as Sean Payton that you're going to win the Super Bowl in, in 2018, and they were pretty close to getting there last year, if not for some 
Stefan Diggs heroics and uh, a Marcus Williams, like worst moment of your life, terrible timing, then they would have been at the Super Bowl. Uh, and also perhaps we should give Sean Payton some credit for the draft they put together last year that included Marcus Williams and Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramsek, and um, who'd they take in the first round? Uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, so, I mean, it's hard to say, okay, they don't know what they're doing. Clearly they do based on last year that turned around that defense. So Davenport's another sort of cog in that defensive machine, but I feel like uh, long-term, and I mean, basically that means beyond 2018, if you loved Lamar Jackson, it would have made, I feel like, a lot more sense to take him there. But if you feel like you're going to win the Super Bowl, I think the trade-off between doing that in 2018 with Drew Brees and then he retires and then sort of rebuilding is worth it if that means you pass on Lamar Jackson to get um, Davenport and Lombardi Trophy. Who you got, Breach? You know, sadly, I agreed with Wilson. It's an easy so target. It's like, yeah, it really is. I, I, I agree with the whole part. I think the Saints gave up too much to move up that far. Uh, is just a lot to give up. But just to be in the spirit of not picking the same thing as Ryan, because I hate when I agree with him because he's <laughs> old and I don't like thinking that I have anything in common with older people. Um, that's I'm just kidding, Wilson. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Ageism is not okay. I like that. No, I like that. Ryan's Ryan's like wearing a hat and like a sweatshirt because he's cold because he's old. And my thermostat set to ninety five degrees. <laughs> I'm gonna send you some Smirnoff ice that will warm you right up. I promise. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Raiders. I'm gonna go with uh, just with their pick. You know, they they traded back. I thought maybe they should have gone with the defense side of the ball. They obviously can use some offensive line help, but I didn't love the Colton Miller pick. Uh. That would be number two, but I honestly thought everyone in the 11 through 20 range, the kind of the ones we're looking at right now, did a pretty good job. I was looking at you, you look at these boards, and I kind of loved all of them. And as Ryan was saying, we had to pick a loser, and uh, I thought the Raiders should have gone defense side of the ball, and I thought the Saints gave up too much. Speaking of that deal, by the way, this is kind of fascinating. So the Saints gave up a 2019 first round pick to move up and get Marcus Davenport, right? And that, that point, at that point in time, the Packers moved back to number 27. Well, then the Packers moved back up to 18 and got Jerry Alexander that Ryan pointed out as a, as a winner in that. And they gave up number 76 and number 186, along with obviously number 27 to the Seahawks. I mean, they flipped that and got the guy they wanted and they picked up a first round pick next year. That is a massive win for the Packers to come away with that, the player like Jerry Alexander and to get that, that draft pick. I'll, if I want to pick a loser, I'm uh, just doing the the draft pick math there. If I'm going to pick a loser, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to. I feel bad saying this because they got Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm going to say the Dolphins because I think they probably felt like when they're sitting there at 11 and Josh Rosen and Josh Allen are on the board that they're going to land a quarterback and then in you know, three picks before they they're about to draft. The Bills trade up and get Josh Allen, and then the the Cardinals trade up and get Josh Rosen. Mika Fitzpatrick is a really nice consolation prize. You can't be too miffed about that. Um, but uh, I'm going to throw the Dolphins as a loser because they were unable to secure their franchise quarterback, and if Ryan Tannehill doesn't look great next year, then it's going to look bad for them. Ryan, who's your winner from uh, 21 to 32? 21 to 32, the big winners. And I don't like to say this, but I will because even as a Steelers fans, I can respect uh, good drafting. The Ravens, Lamar Jackson, they moved up and down the draft board, which is something that Ozzie Newsom has, likes to do in a lot of drafts. 
So they went down, came back up, got Lamar Jackson. Actually, I didn't even know if they came back up. They just got Lamar Jackson um, towards the end of the first round there. And uh, we already knew that Joe Flacco was on thin ice. He apparently, it turns out, is not elite. And his um, salary is such that he can't be on the roster at 20-plus million a year beyond this year. So 2019, he could hit the bricks. He could retire. And it will be – what's that? He could retire after this year. He could retire. He could say, I don't need it. And I would respect that and, and give him a nice golf clap and then move on. Lamar Jackson uh, presumably will be the guy, assuming RG3 doesn't magically beat him out for the job. But um, I will say this. When Jackson finally got out of the green room, he seemed pretty fired up, pretty angry that he had been <laughs> there so long. And it was sort of surprise, sort of surprising that he didn't go earlier. But anyway, he's he's in Baltimore. It makes a ton of sense. Um, they clearly love him. I think a lot of teams liked him, but there were other sort of options that got in other teams' way before they had a chance to uh, pull the trigger on Jackson. The Ravens did it. Full a huge need. And, and now my only concern is how the Ravens going to mess them up because they have a history of taking quarterbacks that look to have some talent and, and making them into the to the NFL's worst. Jeez. They, they, they do have Marty Morningwig as a, an offensive coordinator, though, who is the guy that worked with Michael Vick when he came back to the Eagles and Andy Reid. And so from that perspective, I mean, look, I don't think it's even lazy to compare Lamar Jackson to Michael Vick. That they, they, I watched them, I watched both play a lot and they remind each other, they remind me of one another outside of the fact that Vick is, was obviously left-handed. Um, By the way, Brinson, quickly, Marty Morningwig is also the same guy as a Lions head coach who won the coin toss in overtime and decided to, uh, kick. Well, just, just pointing that out. Bill Belichick up fired by the Browns, whatever. or technically the Ravens. Who's your uh, who's your who's your winner in that segment, Breach? You know, I, Brinson, I don't want to copy off you again. I feel like you might go Patriots, so I'm going to stay away from that. Ooh, I was, oh, not, no, I was I not going to. So go ahead. Uh, I am going to go oddly enough with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, mm. You know, that's a team that you could go with Matt with, Ryan if you wanted. Well, yeah, I'll go with Matt Ryan because you look at. This team was in the Super Bowl two years ago. They were the only team that uh, came close to beating the Eagles in the playoffs. Probably should have won that game. Driving down there inside the 10-yard line in the final minutes. Uh, and you add this weapon. You had Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman. It's like the Falcons have just said, you know what? We're not even going to feel the defense. We're going to outscore everyone. We're going to put 50 points a game, and no one's going to stop us. And that's kind of what it feels like, and that's what this Ridley says, this this traffic. So Falcons averaging 51 points a game this year, and I love the pick. 51? Actually, so I, I, I didn't really get that you were joking, and I sped up a little bit when you said that. Um, I'm going He's to say – He was not He was not joking. I am going to say that a winner is – I don't, I don't think I, I don't know that I, I guess I like what the Patriots did, but I don't, I don't love it. Uh, I'll say that a winner is Dean Pease, the first year Balt, uh, excuse me, Tennessee Titans defensive coordinator. I'm clearly messing everything up. They went out and they drafted Rashawn Evans, the linebacker out of Alabama, who feels like a guy who could make an Ryan is shaking his head. No, you can't see this because it's a podcast, but he's shaking his head because he's a Steelers fan. You wanted Rashawn Evans, right? Steelers tried to trade up. Um, Titans instead worked a deal with the Ravens, so the Steelers did not get an opportunity to trade up to get Rashawn Evans. So yeah, oh yeah, so, so basically the Titans are a winner because not only did they trade up and get Rashawn Evans, who fills uh, a, a, a massive hole that they were dealing with in terms of their defense, but he now gives them, I think, when you look at this defense, kind of a complete unit. Like, I mean, they lost Avery Williamson, but I mean, they've got some good cornerbacks. 
you know, they signed Malcolm Butler. They have Logan Ryan, Adoree Jackson. They have, uh, Jarrell Casey on the defensive line. And now they have, um, uh, Rashad Evans at, at the linebacker position. I kind of like the Titans as a sleeper to win that division that people aren't talking about and maybe make some noise in the, in the AFC. So I'll take the Titans and Dean Pease as a winner because there's a lot to work with on that defense this year. What about you, Ryan? Well, I already, already had my winner, but I will say Who's I will take the, the Pats quickly. I think Sonny Michelle sort of replaces Deion Lewis, and he might be a better version of him. Mm, that's a good call. Uh, Deion Lewis, meanwhile, went to the Titans, so he sort of bolsters your case for why the Titans could be pretty good. But I, I oh, oh, by the look, way, on, we t- on on Tuesday I literally forgot what day it was and whether I had been working, so I'm not surprised that I forgot where I was at this very moment. Do you want to give your loser for the uh, final ten? Yeah, did we each give a winner? We did, right? <laughs> oh no, you're right. We haven't. We're having, it. yeah, we're right. Okay, yeah. So my loser, uh, speaking of another <laughs> running back, what in the hell were the Seahawks doing with Rashad Penny? That was an insane pick for a team that has twenty-one other needs. Is that eleven plus eleven? Twenty-one other needs, and they took the twenty-second biggest need with Rashad Penny, uh, who's by all accounts a very good running back, great returner. But as people pointed out on Twitter repeatedly, uh, in two years there probably won't be a kickoff. So I mean, what are we doing? But um. John Snyder and Pete Carroll have a history of sort of being quirky with their draft picks. I think more times than not, it hasn't worked out for them, at least in the early rounds. First and rounders have I don't not. Know, yeah. I don't know if this will be an example, uh, an exception to the rule, but Russell Wilson probably wasn't high-fiving uh, his wife. What's his wife's name? Ciara. Ciara. He wasn't high-fiving her about the fact they got a running back when it doesn't matter if there's <laughs> no one blocking in front of either of those guys. So they had needs there. They they got rid of Michael Bennett. They traded him to the Eagles. They cut Richard Sherman. Earl Thomas could be traded in, in a matter of hours. It's unclear if Cliff Averill or um, Cam Chancellor will, will play again. So they had a huge uh, huge needs on defense, and their first thought, the front office of the coaching staff, was to draft a kick returner and running back. So uh, this is why you will be the worst team in the NFC West. I love that you're burying the Seahawks. By the way, John Schneider said in his – um, post, post draft press conference that analytics say that this guy is great. And they actually do the analytics bear it out. He's the best at breaking tackles behind the line of scrimmage, which is perfect because the Seahawks have no offensive line. John, who's your They loser? also said they would have taken him at 18, which is even more insane. Hey. I, I will say this. The Seahawks in 2012, everyone ripped their draft and they came away with, uh, Bruce Servant, Bobby Wagner, and Russell Wilson. That was not a bad haul. Who you got, John? Yeah, but in 2012, they, they at least, Filled some positional needs. Uh, this one, I'm just going to have to pile on with Ryan here because this was the most baffling pick of the entire first round. If you would have given me a list of 1,400 draft-eligible players and asked me who the Seahawks were going to take in the first round, Rashad Penny probably would have been, <laughs> like, guess, 712. It just... It, the pick makes no sense at all. The r- running back is literally one of the last five positions they should have even been thinking about in the first round. It's almost like uh, Pete Carroll is just sharing these crazy Twitter clues about who they're going to draft. And he's put up the wrong gif as one of his clues and said, you know, what? we're just going to do it anyway. We're just going to take we're gonna take Penny. And uh, no regrets. Yeah, no regrets. We're just going to do it. I don't care. Did, and, the, did and the clues match up like at all? Did. did the clues match up at all? What was the, the, I saw one clue that was like a bunch of chipmunks like pulling off a hubcap or something. I'm guessing no, they didn't match up. <laughs> yeah, I think the chipmunks were stealing a hubcap off a car and maybe selling them for pennies, Rashad Penny. Ooh. Uh, it's one theory, yes. maybe. 
but yeah, so I agree. I'm on, I'm on board with Wilson here. I, I don't get this. I don't get this pick unless. It's, it's fine. It's an obvious choice. It's a layup. I'm okay. going to go a little bit more, uh, less surface level. I'm going to say a loser in the back. And by the way, Ryan, you didn't fulfill your contra- contractually obligated, uh, role by saying that the winner is, uh, is Ryan Chazier for walking to the podium. That was an awesome. That was moment. later, but thanks for stealing my thunder. It was 11 to 32, right? Yeah, but we had a few other segments to go. Oh, okay. You're not following. This is why you got three stars, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, though. What were we going to say? Uh, I'm going to say the loser is Kirk Cousins because with a lot of different offensive linemen or potentially other weapons to help out the Vikings offense on the draft board, the Vikings went and got Mike Hughes, who is a very talented cornerback. But you know what? They got talented cornerbacks. They don't need more talented cornerbacks. And I'm not surprised by the pick per se, because what they do with Mike Zimmer's defense is let him find defensive guys that work out, that are going to work out in like two to three years. And Hughes has some major off-field issues. He left North Carolina under the guise of personal reasons, but it was later um, supposed to be something uh, maybe – Assault, sexually assault related, not, not good stuff. Um, so he has some red flags. He's a really good cornerback, ended up at UCF. Uh, but he didn't help out Kirk Cousins, who signed for a bunch of money with Minnesota next year. Uh, that's our losers. Ryan, would you, as we head into this, the back half of this segment, and these will be quicker, would you care to give an overarching theme, perhaps, or a big takeaway from the first round, perhaps even involving Ryan Chase here? As a Steelers homer, I was going to talk about the Steelers and, and the miraculous uh, spectacle of Ryan Shazier walking across the stage uh, five cry? months after suffering a serious spinal injury. But since you touched on that, I will move on to the rest of did, my did you Steelers-related cry? nugget. Did you What's cry? That? Did you cry? No, because I was busy sort of writing it up. Because uh, if I had, if I wasn't caught up in, in trying to write it up for the website, I probably would have shed it here. Did you cry, John? Um, John didn't cry. I don't think John. John, did you cry when you got married? Uh, you know what? There were a few tears that came out. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not, I'm not a man of many emotions, but you know, you throw a glass of wine or two of me and, and the tears flow. So th- there were a couple. Ate a couple donuts, cried about those. Those are good donuts. Cronuts. Those, those are cronuts. Maple bacon. They had maple bacon donuts at John Breach's wedding, uh, two weeks ago. All right. So go on, Ryan. Sorry. What's your, what's your overarching theme here? Yeah, so uh, the Steelers, as I mentioned uh, a few moments ago, they wanted Rashad Evans, wanted uh, Rashad Evans wanted to trade up, couldn't get him. I think they also like Leighton Vander uh, Esch, but he ended up in Dallas. And uh, the conventional wisdom was that they would probably take uh, Justin Reed, the the safety out of um, uh, Stanford, Eric Reed's brother. They ended up taking Terrell Edmonds, who happens to be the brother of Tremaine Edmonds, the 19 year old that went to uh, where'd he go? Buffalo. Brothers going in the draft. Yeah. That's crazy. Brother played together. They both played, played together at Virginia Tech. So people were sort of uh, – Steelers fans didn't know what to make of it. And I think it's sort of funny when you uh, read Twitter after a draft pick people aren't certain about and they just immediately panic, even though they've done absolutely zero research and they just sort of know what they've seen uh, on either uh, television or CBS Sports HQ, for example, or reading in the millions of mock drafts we put out there. So they got a safety, which fills a need. They cut Mike Mitchell. So I, I the takeaway for the Steelers was they, they filled a, an important need. Also worth noting, they traded Martavis Bryant to the uh, Raiders for a third-round pick. I think a third-round pick is a huge get oh, yeah. for Bryant, yeah. who was originally a fourth-round pick. And um, I'm sort of surprised they got that much for him. I think it makes some sense for the Raiders, but I don't know what John Gruden – I say it every week. I don't know what John Gruden's doing in Oakland, and, and I still have the over-under for wins in, in Oakland at, at six games for 2018. By the way, I, I believe that the trade to get Martavis Bryant 
was utilizing yep. the third round pick they got from the Cardinals to move down from 10 to 15. So at Number least 79, you were correct, sir. So at least John Gruden set somebody else's money on fire by, by trading for, uh, Martavis Bryant and pairing him with, uh, he's not using that money for haircuts. We know that. <laughs> Maybe he's using it for wings <laughs> at Hooters. But anyway, let me ask you this about John Gruden. Have, when was the last time a, a sitting NFL head coach was doing like Bridgestone ads on a random Wednesday before the draft? I, like you never see an NFL head coach doing television adver, 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 advertisements, do you? That team's going to be six and ten. I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, but they're going to have the best Bridgestone tires of any NFL team. <laughs> Smooth and, ride to the game for the losses, and their practices will be catered by Hooters. What's uh, what's your big takeaway from that from that first round of the draft, Breach? Uh, wait, before I get to that, let me talk about Martavis Bryant real quick because I sure. loved that the Steelers made that trade while the Cowboys were on the clock. So you had, you know, the, the draft is in Dallas, and the Cowboys were just milking the heck out of that pick. They let the clock go all the way down. They knew they were taking. They brought Mike Orvin out on stage. Everybody's getting cheers. And then, boom, with like three minutes left, Steelers make that trade, and that's all anyone's talking about. Everyone forgets the Cowboys are drafting, and maybe that was funnier to me than it actually sounds now that I'm explaining it. Anyway, <laughs> my overarching theme of this draft is that it's pretty much a lock that at least two of these quarterbacks are going to be huge draft busts and total flops because that's what happens when you have this many quarterbacks taken in a first round. I mean, you look at NFL history – uh, this is, I think, the eighth time that four or more quarterbacks have been taken in the first round. I mean, you go back to 2012, you had Luck, RG3, Tannehill, and Whedon. I mean, I guess the jury's still out on Tannehill, but that's a pretty ugly class. 2011, you get after Cam Newton, and I mean, my God, Jake Walker, Blaine Gabbert, and Christian Ponder, uh, then... You know, it's just, it's ugly. It's always ugly. 1999 was the last time there were five quarterbacks taken. That was Tim Couch, McNabb, Achilles Smith, Dante Culpepper, and Cade McNown. So it's just, as I, I, a lot of people have said, the NFL teams aren't great at rating quarterbacks, at drafting quarterbacks. And if history has proven one thing, it's that if there's a bunch of quarterbacks taken in the first round, one or two of them are going to be horrible. And so, that, sorry, two of your teams Based on our podcast so far, I think we can all agree that one of those quarterbacks is going to be Josh Allen, uh, and we don't know who <laughs> quarterback number two is going to be. So that my overarching theme is sorry to two of the teams because at least two of these quarterbacks are going to fizzle out and be draft busts. I like that you didn't name the names. That's good. Um, I think all right, I'm going to give uh, some quick themes, divisionally related themes. One, I think the NFC South is going to be the best division in football this year. And all four of the teams, even if the Saints had to pay for it next year, all four of the teams addressed a very specific weakness and got better at certain positions. The Saints got Marcus Davenport, which gives them another dangerous pass rusher. The Falcons added another Alabama wide receiver to Julio Jones, which gives Matt Ryan more weapons. The Panthers got DJ Moore. Steve Smith said on air, this guy is my, quote, spirit animal, and said they never truly replaced me. And this is, if I'd figured out the Technology. I lied. We had a draft day drop yesterday, but you know, I didn't. I didn't have the Steve Smith stuff here. Um, he said they've never truly replaced me until tonight. And so I think the Panthers went out and hopefully got a number one wide receiver. Marty Herney has a good history in the first round. Don't at me, Ryan Wilson. And then I think Tampa Bay helped solve their run defense problem by getting Vita Va. Looking at the NFC West, I am fascinated by how that division 
And those quarterbacks are going to play out over the next five years. You have Russell Wilson, who's the elder statesman. Jared Goff, who proved himself last year that he could be a franchise quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is like the, the hottest dude in America right now, both in terms of good looks and in terms of how people are treating him after the final five games. And then Josh Rosen takes over in Arizona. And then finally, I think the AFC West is interesting as well because we point out the Broncos got better with Chubb, the Chargers got better with Derwin James, the Chiefs didn't have a first-round pick, and who knows what the Raiders are going to do. I think the Broncos actually have a shot in that division all of a sudden, and certainly I think people are going to be too high on the – people are going to be high on the Chargers, which as always um, spells doom for, for the Los Angeles Chargers. When you look ahead to rounds two and three on Friday night, Ryan – any prospects catch your eye that you want to you're curious about or maybe a theme you're curious about in terms of teams drafting early? Well, I think we saw that there aren't very many good edge rushers. Uh, we saw Chubb slip just a little bit. Um, Davenport, they traded up to get the Saints did, but Harold Landry's still on the board, so that's sort of a huge issue. There's some concerns that maybe it's medically related because otherwise he was supposed to be the second guy off the board possibly. Darius Geis was a guy who was mentioned as possible uh, mid to late first rounder. The, the running back out of LSU was still there. Our buddy Jason Lockenford just tweeted that uh, Mason Rudolph is going to be a popular uh, player at the top of the second round, that the Chargers are interested and might trade up for him, which is sort of interesting. Um, I don't know if he could beat Philip Rivers in the foot race, so maybe that makes him a perfect <laughs> candidate. I mentioned Justin Reed earlier as a Steelers target. There's Josh Jackson, the, the cornerback, and I think another big name, and a guy I'm not really surprised that Phil actually called this. Um, it doesn't make me smart, but it just so <laughs> I called it to you, so you you can uh, sort of confirm. Sure, Court, sure. Cortland Sutton, the uh, SMU wide receiver, fell out of the first round. He's sort of a big target, but slow. And, and in today's NFL, that doesn't always play. So those are what five or six guys to look out for, uh, presumably early in the first, early. Uh, Early on in the, in the second day, second round. By the way, I'd like to apologize to the listeners. If you took my advice and you bet on the three things that I suggested you you tell me on, you only broke even because the five, over or under five and a half quarterbacks was a loser, but it would paid out like one plus one seventy five. So that's you lost a unit there. Um, if you took uh, if you took the um, what was the other loser? Oh, Bradley Chubb's over under loss somehow at, at four and a half because the friggin' Browns screwed it up. So that's a loser. But then DJ Moore, first wide receiver off the board, that was a winner paying out at two to one. So you broke even. I have to confess that, uh, my friend got in a Baker Mayfield first, 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 uh, number one overall pick bet this morning at three and a half to one. And that cashed handsomely for him. John Breach, who are you looking at tomorrow? Uh, well, Ryan mentioned one of them, and that's Mason Rudolph. I'm, I'm completely fascinated by the fact that he's still on the board, which I guess is, is somewhat expected. It's but great. also the, the Giants have, what, the second pick in the second round? And if you're the Giants, everybody thought you might take a quarterback with that second pick, but you didn't really need it that early. But now you still have one of the top six quarterbacks just hanging there and maybe – like JLC said, you have the Chargers trying to deal up, but they have to deal with the Browns. If I'm the Giants, I nab Mason Rudolph. Don't let him go anywhere. And boom, you got your quarterback and your running back. Uh, hey, John, let then, me interrupt you quickly. I just <laughs> want to, it reminds me of something that the Giants seem to do every other year. Uh, Ryan Nassib was a big deal that got him in the fourth round. And then they got Davis Webb last year. Was he a second or third rounder? Third, yeah, yeah. And people hate both those guys and or don't know who they are. So I wonder – any concerns there about Rudolph in the second round being the next Eli Manning? I, I mean, I think nobody thought Davis Webb, uh, Mason Rudolph is a higher ranked prospect than either 
Nassib or Webb were coming out of college. So if I'm the Giants, I'm not afraid to take him in the second round uh, unless there's some, you know, Josh Jackson. There's a lot of really talented guys left, so maybe they like someone better. But, hey, if you win the draft looking for a quarterback, there is a quarterback left. Just take him. My God, just take him. And actually dovetailing on that, we'll get out of here quickly because we're approaching 40 minutes. Sorry, the podcast will be a little bit longer this weekend. Be back around 30 minutes next week. The first five picks of the second round are really interesting. So the Browns are there. They passed on Saquon Barkley, right? They decided not to take Saquon Barkley. Um, well, actually, I guess they didn't have a choice to take him after the Giants took him number two, but they have, they know that the Giants won't take one of those running backs. So at 33, they can take Harold Landry. And then they can let the Giants take Mason Rudolph, perhaps, or somebody else, not a running back, and then grab Darius Geis at 35. So from, even though I don't like the Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb thing, I think the Giants are in a really, the Browns are in a really good position to control their destiny and come away with four really nice picks out of their top 35 selections. They could also obviously trade down if needed. And then I look at 36 and 37. The Colts, who got Quentin Nelson, a huge plus. You you mentioned it, Breach. That helps Andrew Luck out a lot. They could double down and get somebody like Orlando Brown, uh, help out the Will offensive Hernandez. line. Yeah, Will Hernandez, another guard. Or they could even grab Joshua, Josh Jackson, the cornerback out of Iowa, or, or maybe take a look, um, you know, at a potential defensive end. Maybe, maybe Harold Landry falls to them. Who, you know, who knows? They, they, you know, there's a lot of ways that they could go, and there's a lot of talent left on the board. So I think that you, early on, you're going to see the Browns, Giants, and Colts, but actually mainly the Browns and Colts with four of the first five picks, uh, look like smart people because of the selections that are available to them. All right. We're going to get out of here. You guys will be back on uh, on the Sunday show. We'll have Chris Trapasso tomorrow night to break down rounds two and three. Thanks for joining me. You can follow Ryan Wilson at Ryan Wilson underscore 07. It hurts his ears. <laughs> He's giving me the finger. I'm just telling him how to follow you. You follow John Breach at John Breach. Me at Will Brinson. The podcast at Pick 6 Pod. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.